this episode, we'll be exploring the impact of AI on people, skills, and the HR function with Anna Bellwood, HR Organizational Development Manager at Jupiter, and Francis Lake, who is the Interim Chief People Officer at Border to Coast Pension Partnership, and also the founder of Green Juniper Limited, a people advisory consultancy. Great to have you both here. Now, an AI-powered workforce can provide huge potential and profound change for investment professionals, so much so that perhaps one day we'll need an alternative HR department named Human and Artificial Resources. Today, I would like to explore how employee skill sets might need to change, how firms can maintain a positive culture as things evolve, and also how to ensure that all employees are helped with the transition. But before we do, as a bit of context, perhaps you could both just summarise how your firm has so far implemented AI. Annabelle, perhaps you could start for Jupiter. At Jupiter, I'd say that we've taken an approach that I'd describe as controlled experimentation. So first and foremost, obviously, we want to make sure that we're not doing any harm either to the company or uh, risk internal data leakage, etc. So at the moment we're using uh, a, a distinct number of employees are using um, chat GPT-4 within Microsoft's um, uh, platform itself, which we think is, I suppose, the most secure way that we can allow people to experiment. Um, more broadly, we've set up uh, an AI forum, um, mm-hmm. and the purpose of that forum is to look at the different use cases, see how people are currently benefiting from AI in their day-to-day lives, either in the official channels or, shall we say, the unofficial channels yeah. that we that we might be seeing. Um, and, and the purpose of that is really to try and cut through some of the hype that I think we're seeing and uh, really identify where we can get a, a strong business use um, from, from the advances that we've seen recently. Yeah, it's a quite a typical approach, I would say, from what we've seen across the industry. Uh, how about that border to coast, Francis? Um, yeah, so we trying to use I guess do a number of experiments with we haven't sort of deployed much into the investment space if you like at the moment but mm-hmm. we've been using it um, in a number of different ways so one, one was for example um, recruiting graduates we've always asked them to sort of prepare essays so we know that lots yeah. of them would now use use generative ai to do that so yeah. we've we've built it into specifically ask people to use generative ai to help them with their essays or with their with their assignments um which then allows us to interview them on 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 how those have been uh, you know how they've used the tools where they've applied judgment where they've validated their information and so on um and then internally we're really trying to run a number of experiments now on looking at work in different teams where are there aspects that can be accelerated by using um, generative ai tools um while you know as annabelle said making sure we're steering steering clear of any risk to kind of corporate data um so it's really trying to look at the there's a lot of things like writing papers um, and that kind of thing where getting to a first draft or getting to a structure or even getting the um, stimulation for the ideas. Um, those are the kind of things we're trying to get people using it at the moment, really. 
really interesting and takes us nicely actually onto the issue of the future skills requirement about how employees can make sure they sort of develop new abilities that are suitable for the new environment. Perhaps, Francis, you could start there on the types of skills that you'll be looking for from employees in the future. Yeah, so I think there's um, one set of skills that I think is, is going to change a lot is the management skills, um, where as a manager now, I guess today, a member of your team brings a piece of work to you and you just uh, engage in the content and assume that whatever sources they've used to generate that piece of work are valid and so on, um, and that what is written is their own work. I think in future, managers are going to need to be able to work with colleagues to understand almost like how much is their work and how much has come from AI. So, so coaching questions around things like, you know, where did you use, um, where did you use generative AI? Um, what did you do to validate any information that's in it? Where did you add your judgment? What risks are there to it? That that kind of thing. What stakeholder management have you done around it? So, so real sort of manager skills on examining and testing the the kind of quality of work. Um, I think one of the other big spaces that shifts is, is yeah. and you sort of said it right in the introduction, I've heard this phrase of robot wranglers um, to describe people who are, if we're getting lots of work out of robots or AI of some kind, how do you manage that work? How do you guard against um, bias? How do you understand, understand enough of the system, enough of the algorithms to know what you're getting out of it? Um, uh, and being able to combine that with work that's coming out of teams, I think, is a is a um, is a really big element. The other thing, though, I think is the the, the there's lots at the moment of almost this. We talk about AI like you, you know some big boys made me do it. Like that that if if ChatGPT comes up with an answer, then we can't possibly critique it. Um, but even this sort of Google exec was saying, you know, you can't rely on data in Google Bard. That's not what it's there for. Um, you know, you, you can Google stuff if you want facts. So so making sure we're doubling down on skills like data management, like um, ethics, like accountability, so that we, we are treating AI as the tool that it is, but the humans are still accountable for the output. I think that's a piece that is skills or accountability we have today but it's just amping them up a lot so lots of change there from a management perspective uh, and oversight perspective would you agree with that annabelle francis has said it very well that um the requirement for managers to be able to understand critique is going to be only increased um with the uh, i suppose the ability to shortcut that research process without knowing the sources that sit behind it mm -hmm. equally for you know compliance functions hr we've all got to get to grips with how ai is going to do all of the things that we expect from it before we can even start to think about how we govern it you know it's a bit of a black box at, at the moment in terms of how it's how it's working so um and i think we've, we've probably got some way to to go before we get there um i think another uh, piece which is along the same lines as the the ability to critique data to um uh, to apply that that judgment and those questioning skills i do think that there might be an increase in the desirability of of creativity so at least for now what we know of how 
ChatGPT, for example, is working, it's and, and these models are based on what's the most likely outcome, what's the most likely answer. And you know, I think businesses are always going to need that degree of innovation, novelty, something new, something different that isn't predictable. And that's almost the inverse of, of what the path is. It's that shortcutting uh, of, I suppose, the process of work um, that, that poses that challenge when it comes to to, to groupthink or the, perhaps the loss of um, some of that diversity of thought that is, is so um, so critical to an organization's uh, culture. And I think um, the, there are a few things really. I think it's incumbent on us as, as HR functions, on, on, on leaders in organizations, on managers to think about mm-hmm. how we're building roles for this, for this new future where your HR your HR people are going to need to be increasingly exposed to technology. Your technology people are going to increasingly be exposed to the culture of an organisation. So how do we build that crossover of roles actually into the fabric of the organisation in the way that we design design roles for the future? And Francis, what would be your view on that? I guess in the context of the pandemic and remote working, Annabelle's point around sort of output becoming more group think based. What would be your take on how to promote a healthy culture? Yeah, so so I think the, the I guess the thing that strikes me a lot is AI should significantly increase productivity, um, um, which should give us a lot more capacity. Um, so I think in order to maintain culture, actually more time around almost like discussing discussing the work, validating the work, stakeholder management, um, almost kind of like curation or validation meetings of, of pieces of work. Um, because I, th- I think, and I think you and I have talked about this a little bit, my worry is we could just increase the velocity of work. We could do loads more work, um, which at whatever point it reaches a bunch of human decision makers, they now have 1,200 pages in a committee to read or whatever. I think mm-hmm. if we actually shift that to do, we maybe produce a little bit more work, but we spend much more time in human-to-human discussions, validating it, validating the quality and having those interactions. So I think if we have greater productivity um we are able to use more of the working week in the kind of human to human discussion validation of work maintaining connections between people and ensuring the quality and 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 i think to to what annabelle was talking about the kind of design of jobs i think we have to get into almost that that design of time as well so that people shift from thinking my job is about technical outputs to much more of the kind of discussion, uh, critique, evaluation of work, um, which I think is quite a, quite a different skill set. Um, and people very often find their comfort in what they describe as their day job today. Um, but those pieces of the, the, but by almost by nature, conversation is what creates culture and what reinforces mm-hmm. culture. And, and there should be more capacity and more opportunity to do more of that if some if we're spending less time on kind of low level productivity. Um, so yeah, I think that would be quite a critical part in sort of sustaining and potentially strengthening culture actually. Yeah. It's certainly something that 
is echoed in the reception that I've heard um, when we've asked our people whether they perceive there to be a threat in, in AI. The, the overriding sense that, that I feel in the organisation is a, an opportunity of, of um, as Francis says, the, the removal of some of that um, that busy work mm-hmm. um, and, and potentially opening up opportunities for the, the parts of work that remain inherently, I suppose, human. Um, yeah. as Francis has described. Yeah. yeah, there's certainly a, a big productivity opportunity there. It's uh, how we can make sure we derive as much value from that as possible. It's interesting and, and reassuring for you to say that um, you know you haven't received any p- potential sort of negativity uh, or, or fear around you know how AI might affect people's roles in the future. Um, how do we actually make sure that people feel included in the journey here, um, I think mean, you know there'll, there'll certainly be people who are quite enthusiastic to use it. Others will be less sure. How do we, I suppose, extending the the uh, culture question? How do we ensure that uh, people feel included on the journey and, and are brought along on the on, on the process? Francis, perhaps you could start with that. Yeah. So I think there's. Um... I think one of the first points is, is almost encouraging as much conversation as possible. Um, I think, unfortunately, lots of the debate has, has sort of been reduced to kind of tabloid level. You know, there's so many things of how AI will steal jobs or AI will come up with bias and so on. Um, and so the consequence of that is, I think in every organisation, lots of people are using these tools, but it's almost like guerrilla usage. They're trying to sort of do it under the radar. So, so first thing I would say is opening up organisational conversations and and asking people to share where they've used it, how how them how it's making their work better, and almost celebrating people doing doing good things. Um, the the second the second thing that I think is really important then is um, following through with this sort of I guess kind of experimentation or inviting people to to try things and, and um, uh, so you kind of go from surfacing the experiments that people are doing anyway to then being able to sort of share experiments that, that people are doing collectively. Um, and then I think there's a hugely important part for us as a, an HR profession to stop and look at what are we going to do with this additional productivity? Um, because for as long as I can remember, we have we have essentially increased the pressure, increased the workload, increased the level of stress with the consequence of, you know, more more burnout, more mental health issues, more exhaustion and, and, and so on and so forth. So placing kind of human well-being and productivity, you know, on equal footing with productivity, I think is hugely important. And it's been able to get to a point of saying, yeah, we we if we measure people based on outputs, we're able to reduce the intensity and create more sustainable work on a both a collective and an individual level. And and that then also creates a prize for every colleague in engaging with it. If I think um if I think essentially by creating more productivity and working smarter, I can get some personal benefit. I'm far more likely to put the effort in than than if suddenly my 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 productivity is expected to increase by fifty percent, and now I'm just working even harder. Mm. 
Um, so yeah, I think that's a really a really critical part, to be honest. Yeah, I I agree. I think we um, as humans we we always seem to find a way to fill our time with more work, yeah. um, no matter what the <laughs> the productivity gains are. So I think that's a really important point that that Francis um, raises. I think from from my perspective in the the, the learning and development space it seems like the speed at which everything hit us, I suppose, with the, the, the really rapid developments. I've personally found it quite difficult to pinpoint authoritative sources to turn to when it comes to training, um, you know, what apps what apps are, I suppose, legitimate, what isn't, yeah. and therefore what's a legitimate way to learn about these apps and it it almost feels like we are playing catch-up a little bit the whole world is playing catch-up a little bit um so I suppose when we think about you know bringing people along the journey personally I'm trying to focus in on okay let's kind of take it back to 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 the beginning what we can control what we what we currently know um and and just build little by little rather than feeling kind of overwhelmed or indeed overwhelming people with um, um, with possibilities. So would that be your main advice to sort of your peers within the industry about making sure that we sort of ensure that there's a consistent approach across different uh, parts of the organisation um, and in learning from authoritative experts in terms of best practice and that kind of thing yeah and and really taking it step by step um so one of the um areas that i think will be coming most soon for jupiter is the microsoft co-pilot yes which i think people will immediately start to see a benefit from so kind of focus focus small and work out um Yes, uh, I think lots of people are uh, uh, eagerly anticipating the release of that across uh, uh, across all of Microsoft's clients. Francis, what would be your your takeaway? Yeah, I think the anything that the way Annabelle describes is spot on. I would encourage people to test, take one piece of work and test what you could do with generative AI on that one piece of work, um, and then keep trying those sort of small, small experiments and, and find the opportunity for people to share share what works well. I, I think what strikes me, if, if, if we were to just broaden out a little bit, I guess the last three or four years of work have shown us, you know, three years ago, was it four? We had no idea really how to work virtually or work at home. Mm. And yep. we sent everybody home and they learned really fast. Um, and it demonstrated the resourcefulness of, of all of our people and that, that that resourcefulness isn't sort of rooted in the formal structure of organisations. Um, so I think encouraging people to, to find their way and then encouraging them to share it, that, that for me is the... There is no best practice, I think, at the moment on on use of some of these tools. There isn't um, there isn't a kind of solution. So, the the more people who are able to test things, the more chance you've got of finding things that are productive and replicable. Um, uh, yeah, and like Annabelle, really looking forward to seeing um, Copilot come online and what what's possible there. Thank you, Francis uh, and Annabelle too. 
For more information on the IA's work on artificial intelligence, please visit our website at theia.org forward slash data. But for now, thank you very much for listening and do look out for the next episode, which will be coming soon.